Hello, and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at KillerQueensPodcast. And we're on YouTube at KillerQueens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Oh my God, Tori. Yeah. I don't know how you can even hear me right now because I am dead. I have died. <laughs> You've simply passed away. I have simply passed away. I was walking the dogs this morning as a good dog owner does, just doing my part, doing the Lord's work, if you will. (laughs) And this other dog was walking on the other side of the road. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, why do you got to walk your dog right now? This is my turn, you know, whatever. (laughs) And so our bigger dog, just for you guys, we have a blue healer. And then we have a teeny tiny baby mini schnauzer. He's like brand spanking new pretty much. So the blue healer, who's 10, this is her turf. Like, you don't fuck with it. And she just starts like, you know, trying to get at it. So I'm like trying to pull her back a little bit. And I'm like wrapping the leash around my hand a little bit more. Just like making sure, you know, she doesn't like get away from me. You're securing her. Yes. So then we get past that incident and I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. So now we're walking. I look down at the little dog. He has a dead bird secured firmly in his jaws. Oh, no. This dead bird, his head is like literally hanging on by a thread. The head is like almost not there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I look down, I'm like, "Ah, ah, ah," and I'm like, Tori, I am screaming. I don't know how nobody called the police. Like I was screaming bloody murder and he almost touched me with this bird. (laughs) And I was like, ah, let it go, let it go, let it go. And I was like, oh my God, and then I look down at the thing and I see that the head's about to come off and I'm like, and I'm like, oh my God, do not throw. There's, I'm directly across the street from one of our neighbors is getting a new roof put on. There's like 40 dudes on top of this roof just <laughs> looking at me. And I'm like, look at that bird. And I, I cried a little because I knew that I was in a situation that I couldn't get out of. <laughs> and I'm trying to like, just jerk him around a little bit, like trying to maybe make him drop it a little bit. Yeah. He's not dropping it. I mean, that thing is secure. So we get back to the house and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I get the big dog in the house and I have him out on his leash, like wrapped around something so he can't get away. And he would drop it for a second. And then if he saw me coming, he'd like snatch it back up really quick. I'm like, oh my God. So I went and got like two bags around my hands because I'm like, I don't want to touch this. This is disgusting. And it smells so bad. So I'm gagging Mm. the whole time. And I'm like, I know I'll scare it out of him. So I tried to like start the blower. I'm not strong enough to start it. And I work out now. I'm like, aren't you? I was like, I mean, I gave it all. I had a hundred thousand percent. I'm like, this is going to start. This is going to like, I'm trying to start it so hard. I couldn't get it started. I was like, the fuck am I going to do now? So I got the shovel and I did not beat the dog with the shovel. I got near him though. So I took the shovel and like banging it against the driveway close to him, trying to like scare him. So he'll run away. And it worked. He... Dropped the bird. He got further away because he doesn't like the shovel. And then I put the shovel over the bird and then I grabbed the dog and he's in the house now. Oh my God. And then you think about... And I have died. Yeah, no, somewhere in in the middle of all that, your soul left your body. Mm -hmm. But I do think... Because Apple, one of my dogs one time, she found when my dad... we, We used to live behind 
Miss KB, he lived with our grandfather. Granddaddy would go fishing. And then he would just put the dead fish in the, like the heads, the fish heads in the garden. Mm -hmm. And Apple one time got one. And oh my God, the smell. Yes. And I had to pry it out of her mouth. I wasn't thinking clearly, so I just used my hands. And she smells terrible, right? Like dead fish heads. Oh no. And then I tried to brush her teeth and that only made minty fish heads. It was the worst thing that's ever happened. And then I forgot, I guess. And then she's like licking my face and I'm like, (gasps) like, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I told Rox that we will be separated today. Don't touch me. Don't look at me. Don't come (laughs) near me. Like, eh, eh, I don't even think so. I think that sometimes you forget that you didn't birth the dogs. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I forget that these girls that I have are not actual, my actual living, breathing children. And then they do something that's so dog, you know, yeah. like, like picks up a dead animal or yeah. And I'm like, yep, you're a fucking dog. You're uh-huh. a fucking dog. Yeah. It's, yeah. oh my God, it's so great. And I called Andrew because I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, how do I get this? Like, I don't know. I just felt that I needed guidance. And you just needed support. Yeah, I needed support. And I'm freaking out and I'm gagging every couple seconds while I'm trying to talk because it's so gross. And Andrew was laughing, but then he called me a little bit, like a couple minutes after we got off the phone and I got the bird and everything. And he was like, I guess I should tell you I had you on speakerphone. I'm like, why do you do oh. that shit to me? He does that shit to me all the time when I call him and I'm freaking like, out on pur- Like on purpose to just- Yeah, so everybody can hear how fucking absurd oh, I am. Oh, that's mean. Yeah, I was like, perfect. I right? would do it too. Yeah, probably. Well, because- <laughs> It's like that one time, it's not the same, obviously not the same, but in Grand Tory tradition, anything that I bring up that's, I in my mind, similar is not at all the same. Nope. But that one time that Cracker Barrel stopped giving out the dressing that we liked, mm-hmm. and you called me, and I think you put me on speakerphone because you told all of your coworkers that like you weren't the only one that was going to be upset about that, and you told me, and I was like, what the f- like, we're never going there again. Exactly. Yeah. I told them, I was like, Cracker Barrel is now dead to me. Mm-hmm. And they were like, and of course, so they're like, yeah, that's a little dramatic. Like, uh-huh. why? Yeah. Because we would go at that time three times a week, mm-hmm. probably. And they were like, you're not going to stop going. Like, you go all the time. And I was like, fucking watch me. And I was like, watch how mad my sister is when I call her. Yeah. <laughs> it was true. Like, I, I delivered the goods there. Yeah. I mean, we're well, still not I mean, about that, honestly. Oh, no, I'm not. No, never will get over it. Mm-mm. If you got one great thing on your menu and then you take that away, what is even the point? Yeah, and do you know how many times we would order it and people would be like, why are you ordering a salad at Cracker Barrel? And then we would get it and they're like, whoa, that looks so good. They have just gone downhill. Downhill, yep. Dead to me, Cracker Barrel. Mm-hmm. All right, well. <laughs> I literally like... I'm exhausted. No, you're, it's going to take some time. Yeah, I'm exhausted. I'm shooketh. It's a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Do people say shooketh anymore? Uh, probably not. I mean, I feel like I just kind of got used to it, so I'm not ready to let it go, but I'm in my 30s, so what do you expect? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, what are the kids saying these days? <laughs> Hello, fellow teens. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. I think we've done what we can uh, do there. Yeah. So this case is... It was fairly highly requested. There's one name that's not on here that I know talked to me about it quite a bit when I was doing the podcast club back in the day. Mm -hmm. So Allison Foley, I 
I see you and I love you. We're not going to leave your name off here. But we also had requests from Caitlin Walsh, Brooke Roger, Olivia Powers, and Andrea Zoshek. Yes. And we want to thank Mark, of course, for writing the script up. Yes. Thank you so much. We love you guys. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's give an overview. Yes. And then we'll go back to the beginning. We can't play Hillary here, but if you join us on a mixtape, you'll get Hillary Duff regularly. <laughs> on June 17th, 2013, around 5.30 a.m. in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, a jogger out for his nope, daily Tarella, run. What? You got to do it in the Massachusetts accent. Oh, a jogger. A jogger. <laughs> yeah. Out for his daily run, decided to take a quick shortcut through an industrial area on the way home. <laughs> and from what I understand, this is a teenager and he's out jogging at 5.30 a.m. What a hero. I know. What a legend. What a hero. I know. Like, wow. It was there that he stumbled upon the body of 27-year-old Odin Lloyd. Later that day, the news reported that the body had been found about a mile from the home of NFL star Aaron Hernandez. Within days, Hernandez was in custody and facing murder charges. During the trial, Hernandez's past was put into the spotlight, including a 2012 double murder in Boston's South End. Mm. Curiouser and curiouser. Really? I can't promise that I'm not going to try <laughs> to, <laughs> to do a Boston accent at some point. And I also can't promise the extent of my knowledge on Boston in general, I think, is probably from the movie The Town. Oh, yeah. So I might call somebody a townie or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Southie. Southie. Like townie. That. Yeah. Dorchester. Yeah. Is that how you say it? <laughs> Dorchester? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's not how we would say it. We but. apologize to all New England people. Yes. Mm-hmm. I also do have some questions on the way you all pronounce things. I know that there, that that conversation could probably go both ways because we... I'm how there are not just banjos playing while we talk all the time is beyond me, but still. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's get into who Odin Lloyd was. Okay. Odin Leonardo Lloyd was born on November 14th, 1985. He was born on the island of St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. He and his family relocated to the island of Antigua for a few years before they moved to the Northeast United States. I do want to say we'll probably get comments on this. I think it's Antigua. Oh, I thought it was Antigua. I thought it was Antigua. So that way we have both. That way you guys can't say we did it wrong, right? Sure. We covered it. Right? It's one or the other. Right. They settled in the Boston area, <laughs> specifically in Dorchester. Mm-hmm. Around this time, Dorchester, I, I'm just going to say it. I don't know. Once is fine, right? Dorchester was a dangerous place to live. It had one of the highest percentages of victims with violent violence-related injuries. This is the same area that Mark Wahlberg is from. Makes sense, right? Hmm. Mackie Mac. Mackie Mac. If you want to peek into how the neighborhoods were back then, just take a look at Mark Wahlberg's early life legal issues before he became Mackie Mac. With the dangers of the neighborhood, Odin was constantly looking for a way out or a way to just better himself. One thing that jumped out to him was a way, or as a way out, was football. He believed it was his golden ticket and one shot at success. 
Odin immersed himself in football and became an exceptional player, specifically playing the linebacker position on defense. Those words mean nothing to me. I don't know what that means. That changed when he got into high school, though. Odin attended this John D. O'Brien School of Mathematics and Science High School, where the ratio of male to female students heavily skewed towards females. Odin was a good-looking athlete in the school and was popular amongst his female counterparts. He started to focus more on his social life, and his academics suffered greatly. Before graduating, his grades had dropped so much that he had lost his chance to play college football. That sucks. It really sucks. I also, just having boys and learning about education in schools and stuff like that, I learned that, you know, when you look at a school, if you have boys, it's important to ask the ratio of female to male, not just because of stuff like that, but because females learn so much easier than males do. We don't need to be up and moving around. We can sit still for longer periods of time. We can focus longer on things like that. So they would suffer just by that if teachers are teaching for females, females. not males. Yeah. So like, you know, if you have a good mix or you have an academic program that understands that males need to get up and move around quite often, you know, like the schools that we looked at for Ben had recess every day and a lot of them have gym every day for young kids. And that just helps boys be able to focus and pay attention they just learn better that way yeah they get 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 the zoomies out exactly i hope to god that they do a parachute though remember oh that was the best it was the best you would like lift it up and then bring it down and lift it up and bring it down and then you lift it up and then you would crawl underneath and bring it down oh my god so fun so fun best day of my life actually i know that and scholastic book fair oh don't even yeah oh yeah (laughs) Okay, so one of Odin's coaches at the time was Mike Branch. He said of Lloyd, his talent was off the charts. I could see something special in the kid. If football was something that could get him out of the hood and into college, that was my goal. Mike was also a probation officer at the time, and he immediately recognized that there was a void in Odin's life where he was searching for a father figure. Not long after meeting him, Mike became like a big brother to him since he himself started as an inner city youth with no real clear vision for the future. After high school, Odin did did get accepted into Delaware State University. He was all set to go when the financial aid that he needed fell through. He had to leave the school and get a job. Eventually, Odin got a job with the Massachusetts Power Company, which would end up sending him to Connecticut. It was in Connecticut that he met Shania Jenkins. The two quickly became an item, and Odin had told people that he found the love of his life. While he was working with the power company, Odin was also playing semi-pro football for the Boston Bandits in the New England Football League. One of his coaches on the Bandits was his high school coach, Mike Branch. Mike had stuck with Odin, followed him, and the two shared a great bond. While Odin and Shania were dating, the Jenkins family would have get-togethers where everyone would come eat and have a good time. It was at one of these family gatherings that Odin met Shania's sister's fiance, Aaron Hernandez. Odin was an aspiring athlete, so knowing Hernandez could prove to be a huge leg up and opportunity for him. Many people would look at the pair and wonder how they were friends since they lived such different lives. Odin was walking around in a pair of flip-flops that were so worn he might as well be barefoot, and Hernandez lived in a $1.3 million mansion. Despite their lifestyle differences, the pair became fast friends. Odin's teammate said that Odin was an utterly regular, humble man. He just wanted to feed his family and have a good life. He wasn't about glamour and glitz. He was just a simple guy. Omar Phillips, a Bandit's 
teammate said that he knew of Odin and Aaron's friendship, but Odin rarely, if ever, bragged about it. Odin said that Aaron was a loner. Odin was a loner too. He was starstruck, but he wasn't hungry for that lifestyle. That wasn't his personality. Mm. And you just like think about all the things that had to have happened to have him end up in Connecticut where he meets Shania Jenkins. I know. Exactly. It's like, it's like dominoes, but yeah. in the worst way possible. Yeah. It's like, it seems like it was just like everything, the stars aligned in such a way that right. this happened. Yeah. It's so sad. It is. Okay. Let's get to Aaron Hernandez. I know. And okay. You guys, like anything you watch on this, there's what, a hundred thousand documentaries out there about this and case? all five hours long. They're all five hours long and four and a half hours seem like they're about football. Like, because they are. Yeah. Who gives a shart? We're like, <laughs> I just, I don't want to glorify him. Like he was, from what I understand, a very talented athlete. Yes. Okay. But like, that doesn't make you a god. <laughs> I think that that's kind of enough to say about it, right? Like he was a very talented athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And just a very immature and lost person. But especially here in the South, we give athletes all the passes, all mm-hmm. the passes. It's just, well, and what do they say about the South? It's like you, it's God, family, football, but not, I mean, yeah, not necessarily in those orders right? or that order, excuse me, football, family, God, football, God, family. Like it, yeah, it just depends on where you are, but yeah. Yeah. Or who your family, cause we didn't grow up watching football. No. Again, we don't give a shard about it, but Mm-mm. you know, Mm-mm. if you like it, great. I just, he's not a celebrity. He's not, I mean, he was a celebrity, I guess, but definitely not a god. We should not glorify him. Right. As and I don't think we should do that with any athlete, to be honest. But Well, yeah. And I mean, I have a lot of feelings about the way that high school and college and even NFL, you know, like professional athletes are treated. And, you know, these are kids that are given a $40 million contract, he's too immature for that. He skips the, his senior year of high school to go to the NFL. Like, he's not ready for that. There needs to be something in place to help these kids gain some maturity before they're just handed this lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. that they're just not ready for and not equipped to handle. Yeah. But, you know, we'll get into that. Absolutely. All right. So Aaron Hernandez was born in Bristol, Connecticut in November of 1989. The Hernandez household was explosive, to say the least. Aaron had an older brother, DJ, who was three years older than him. Their father, Dennis, and mother, Terry, would have several, like, knockdown, drag-out fights. Terry would kick Dennis out of the house, but they always end up reconciling. They married in 1986, they divorced in 1991, and then they remarried in 1996. That is, yeah, that's life changes. Yeah. And for a child, Mm -hmm. you know, Dennis Hernandez was a tough man. He had some trouble with the law in his past, but he turned his life around to become a good father and productive member of society. Dennis pushed both of his sons hard to excel in whatever they did. So, you know, academics, sports, mowing the yard, eating hot dogs, whatever they did, he wanted them to be the best in a very, very different way. I'm not saying that it, well, I'm pulling Tori. It's similar, but (laughs) much different. It reminds me a little bit of the Menendez brothers with that just pushing so hard, you know, I'm not saying anything else is the same, but there was just, I think they both 
loved their father, but it was like one of those, they constantly needed his approval, right? Well, and I think a lot of parents who make approval so important, that means that they never got it. Mm -hmm. Like you're never going to be good enough. Yeah. And not only that, so that's emotionally damaging. (laughs) Factor that into raising boys and, you know, boys, men, everybody, you can't show emotion. There's no crying in football. There's no crying on the field. Walk it off. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't show any emotion whatsoever, but you're dealing with all of these very emotionally damaging things. And on top of that, he's physically abusive to the boys and Terry as well. So there's a time that Aaron comes to school with a black eye and everybody pretty much figured it was his dad. But nobody did anything. Hmm. And in a different incident, Dennis punched one of the boys' football coaches after he disagreed with how he was coaching the boys. Jeez, this is ridiculous. Again, I understand. I get it because I can, I don't get punching anybody. I don't understand that. But that's not what I mean. What I mean is because I was about to say like, it's just football. But I understand that society places or American society places a lot of importance on even from young ages. You got to start young. You got to win, 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 win. They have to be the best because that sets them up for getting on the right high school football team. But that sets them up for getting into the right college football team. It's just so much pressure to put on a child. Mm -hmm. You know, it's called a game for a reason. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, they should. They should enjoy the, you know, what they're doing, like, and you want your children to have like, like, you know, with the boys, I want them to, you want them to play good. You hope they play good. Exactly. I think they play pretty good, you know, Sure. but you know, at the same time, it's like, I'm not going to be like, well, if you don't win this, then you don't get my love. Like it's a game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, yeah, it's, it's crazy. They don't get dessert. That's for sure. Mm-mm. Winners get dessert. Winners get dessert. You're damn right. I'll eat your dessert. I'll eat it and make them watch me eat it. <laughs> Ain't first or last. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. They they get dessert every damn night. Doesn't matter what they do. <laughs> um, in the Netflix docu-series about Aaron Hernandez, one of his high school friends said, when you went into that house, you knew that Mr. Hernandez was in charge. I have a feeling kids are probably like, do you just want to come over to my house? Right. <laughs> like, like, do we have we- to? There was no acting out jackass at the Hernandez house. I guarantee it. Not that you should have ever done that because they say that you shouldn't, but then they do all this hilarious stuff. And every boy that I knew was like, oh my God, let's go film ourselves. Yeah, with the legit video camera. Like you had to have the big video camera. Yeah, exactly. But according to Aaron's older brother, DJ, he did come forward and say that Aaron was also sexually abused as a child. And... I mean, that th- I feel like there's just a lot of parallels to the Menendez brothers. You know, it's not like they're super rich their whole life or whatever, but you've got somebody that their father has anger problems, obviously. He's mm-hmm. abusive every which way you can be abusive. And then you have somebody that turns around later and has anger problems and ends up killing people. It's still different situations, you know. Aaron Hernandez killed just people that he knew or had them killed. I guess we're not 100% totally sure. And the Menendez brothers killed their father, who was their abuser. But still, 
they're watching in these formative years, they're seeing that this is the type of behavior that's acceptable. Mm -hmm. This is how you treat people. This is how you react to stuff. Well, it's that nature versus nurture. Like, I don't think that in the Menendez brothers, and I don't think in the Aaron Hernandez case that they were born this way, they were brought up this way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were taught how to be like this. So a teenage boy that was at their babysitter's house would force Aaron to perform oral sex on him beginning when he was six years old. And this continued for several years. Mm. That's horrible. It is horrible. It just, uh, and then Mm. when Aaron was 16, Dennis goes into the hospital for a routine hernia surgery. There were some complications and Dennis did not survive the surgery, which is like, you know, you're thinking like, okay, Dad's going in, you know, for an outpatient surgery this morning. He'll be back home tonight, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it'll be a couple weeks that he's going to have to take it easy, but no big deal. And then he dies. It's just so crazy. Yeah, that's, I mean, that throws Completely your family unexpected. into a tailspin. Yeah. Yeah. So Terry would later say that Aaron never got over his father's death, and he starts acting out against authority figures at this time. Many of his friends and family later said that they agreed that Aaron never fully dealt with his father's death and suffered mentally as a result. I mean, and of course, he probably never told anybody he was upset about it. He's not allowed Mm -hmm. to. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot going on there. And I'm not, I'm in no way saying that any of this excuses anything that he did. But like, you know, when, when we look at some of these cases, it's always important to look at the why and the sign, you know, and all the things. And it's like, you can see how this person was created. Well, yeah, I think there's a difference between understanding and excusing. Right, yeah. And I think understanding is very important because, you know, these are things that as parents we can learn from or as friends you can see and maybe be like, you know what, maybe somebody needs to know about this. You know, maybe this isn't something that I should just brush off. There's just, you know, things that maybe we can learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. Warning signs. Yes. So after Dennis's death, Aaron grew apart from his mother. He would eventually move out of her house and in with an older cousin, Tanya Singleton. And while he was there, it came out that Terry had been having an extramarital affair with Tanya's husband, Jeff Cummings. It's just the... Like, come on. The toxicity in this family. So when this comes out, Jeff divorces Tanya. And then he moves in with Terry. And for Aaron, you got to be like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Right. Like, yeah. So it's around this time that Aaron started to become more involved with criminal activity. And again, you know, it's going to come out sideways. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. awful. While all of this is going on, Aaron is still in high school. He's playing football. His brother had graduated and moved on to the University of Connecticut, where he was also playing college football. I say also because obviously Aaron goes on to do that. Aaron played the tight end position, and after his senior year in high school, he was considered to be the number one tight end recruit in the country. He had set several state records, was named Connecticut's Gatorade Football Player of the Year, and a U.S. Army All-American. He was really, really good at playing the sports ball games matches. (laughs) He won lots of matches, I'm pretty sure. Won lots of matches, yes. And got all of the holes in one. Yep. Oh, yeah, totally. Nine holes in one just in one game. 
if I remember correctly. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. The original plan was for Aaron to join his brother DJ at the University of Connecticut, and then they would play football together because cute. But Urban Meyer, the coach of the Florida Gators, decided that he wanted to pursue Hernandez to get him to come to Gainesville. Meyer, along with quarterback Tim Tebow, I even know who Tim Tebow is. I know. I was going to say, I don't know why I laughed. I think it's because I was so shocked that I was like, I know that guy. Hey, I know that guy. (laughs) So they recruited Hernandez, who eventually decided that he was going to go to the University of Florida instead of UConn to play with his brother. Aaron was allowed to, quote, graduate early from high school and attend the Santa Fe Community College to take remedial classes to get ready for Florida. Why? Okay. Uh We've already touched on it. Mm -hmm. Why is he allowed... To do this. I'm sorry. Just be- I think you forgot the word football. Oh, right. That's so true. Yeah. 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 That's okay. What's more important than, than learning football? Mm-hmm. What's more important than growing up and having a normal top football? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Good. All right. You're getting it now. Okay. Yeah. All right. I understand now. Exactly. Just pisses me off. <laughs> I know. Many of his teammates who were invited to come to Gainesville early were attending the community college as well. The former principal at Aaron's high school said Aaron was not prepared academically for college. No shit. And he never should have let him graduate early. No shit. Yeah. I mean, this isn't Taj Maori, smart guy. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Your mom's so old. She's still operating on a DOS operating system. <laughs> Sick of burn, Taj. I know. That was my favorite one from. It's hilarious. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, just because, and the thing is, watching, because I watched, well, I've, I've all, I've watched the Netflix one a couple months ago. Yeah. Just because. And then I watched the ID murder mystery on him because mm-hmm. of Diane Diamond. I needed her in my life. I had to watch it. National treasure. That woman is. Absolutely. And I love her every day of my life. So watching this, they're they're making a big point about talking about the fact that he's a child, but he looks like a grown man. So everybody yeah. kind of treated him yeah. like he was older than he was. And it's like, you got to remember, he's like 16. Yeah, exactly. 16, 17 years old. Well, he went into college at 17. Yeah. What are boys who are 16 and 17 years old? Stupid. <laughs> they're idiots. I mean, you, there's no getting around that. No. They just are. I'm just like, yeah, it's not a judgment. It's just a, no, it's, a observation. Not, yeah, they're not fully <laughs> developed yet. Your brain does not fully develop. The prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. We know this until 25 years old. Well, and you pair the pre- prefrontal cortex not being developed with being hit in the head a hundred at every game. Times, yeah. Yeah. I know. Look at how many serial killers have we looked at that have head trauma, mm-hmm. brain trauma. Oh, yeah. A hell of a lot of them. I don't know the number, hey. but it's a lot. Yeah. It's the sixth thing in the McDonald triad. <laughs> I mean, we won't get into what triad. Okay, go ahead. Are you questioning me? <laughs> <laughs> People probably, honestly, when they listen, if they don't know, haven't Parking listened room. well, they're like, wow, they're <laughs> so stupid. Like, no. Based on our reviews, well, a sure. lot of people. Think yeah. That. Yeah. So if, if you haven't and listened, we we know that the triad is three. We're just being we're being goobers. Just we're just joshing. Yeah, we're just fun in. That's what Andy Griffith would say. I'm just fun in. <laughs> we're just kitten. Yeah. So during his freshman year, Hernandez started three games for the Gators and he had a good year. 
His sophomore year, he was benched for the season opener after he failed a drug test. After that, he started 11 of 13 games and led the Gators in receiving the national championship game. Oh, no, 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 receiving in. This is what happens when you don't know the sports matches. Right, right. After that, he started 11 of 13 games and led the Gators in receiving in the national championship game, whatever the fuck that means, which they won. (laughs) I understand what that means. Shocked that he did not start in 45 of the 13 games. I know. I mean, look at all the receiving he's doing. Yeah. He's giving and receiving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, giving is better than receiving, but he yes. he's good at the receiving too. His junior year, he led the team in receptions, more receiving. Yes. And won the John Mackey Award given out for the best tight end in college football for the year. He was recognized by several outlets as one of the best players in the whole entire country. And, okay, so again, we're not trying to like shit on teenage boys, but it's just facts. Boys think that they are invincible. Mm -hmm. They think that their shit don't stink Mm -hmm. a lot of times. Yep. What is this supposed to do to someone? Like his ego had to have been out of the the fucking world yeah. at this point. Yeah. I mean, they're just like, testosterone is like at a high, common sense at an all-time low in a boy's life. You know, it's just like, yeah. that's what they do. I mean, like you said, when we were in high school, all the boys that, you know, we knew were constantly acting out jackass and videotaping themselves. They were literally gluing themselves together, lighting themselves on fire, throwing themselves off of roofs. Yes. Like just for fun. For fun. Yeah. They're just, they think they're invincible. Right. Side note, I did see a meme the other day that was like high school boys and it's like throws, falls off a roof or jumps off a roof and they're like thumbs upping. And then me after sleeping with the wrong pillow and it's like a full body cast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know. And that's exactly true. I'm so old now. All right. Off the field, though, Aaron Hernandez is having some issues. In April of 2007, at 17 years old, he was in a restaurant with Tim Tebow where he had two alcoholic drinks. And upon completing their meal, he refused to pay the bill. Then he gets escorted from the restaurant by an employee. On the way out, he sucker punched the manager and ruptured his eardrum. What did I just say? This guy thinks that he can do no wrong, that he is above the law, that everyone is just, everything's going to be fine for him. Yeah. Because he's, because I'm sure he is. Him. Well, yeah. And he's, I'm sure he's constantly being told like, you're the best. Uh-huh. We're going to take care of it. Yeah. Everything's great. Exactly. You're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You're too valuable to get in trouble. Like, don't worry about it. Because, okay, so the police are called. Hernandez immediately calls head coach Urban Meyer. Meyer calls the team's lawyer. The victim told the police that he'd been contacted by the team and their lawyer and something was being worked out. So even though the police recommended charging him with felony battery, the incident was settled out of court. Throw money at him, man. Yeah. Ugh. See, and this is another reason, I'm sorry, sports fans, people who like the sports balls Mm -hmm. teams, they're not going to like our stance on on sporting events or um, sports teams and matches and things. But I think that the sports arena, Mm -hmm. if you will, they get too much damn money. If they have so much money that they can throw, that they, that they have this like, you know, stipend or whatever for their players to act a fucking fool, because you know, what happens often there are movies upon movies upon movies 
that have these characters in them because it happens often. It's like a stereotype, right? Right. Of very talented athletes acting a fucking fool. And then people are like, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. This guy's just, you know. I'm thinking specifically Jerry Maguire and Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character in it. Oh, but yeah. it's like, it's just amazing to me how it's like a billion dollar industry. And it's because, and with as with anything, it's only worth what people will pay. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. Anyway, keep going. I'm just like, I'm at, I'm at a loss for words here. Yeah, I, I agree with that in a lot of ways. I mean, I understand that, you know, it grosses a lot of money and blah, 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 all the things. But like, yeah. And I understand that it's entertaining. Like I yeah. get, because I, you know, people pay a lot of money for concerts and stuff. I, I understand it, but it is just kind of crazy to me because there are other professions that I think we could throw some money at, like doctors, um, teachers. Nurses, uh, yeah, teachers. Nurses, yeah. yeah. I just wish there were things in place to maybe, you know, if somebody's that young. Regulate some of that. Yeah, because it's just, there are so many stories that come out of, I don't follow sports, obviously, but like, I know that there's just a lot of stories that come out of the NFL of, you know, these, these kids who are still kids who are getting millions and millions of dollar contracts and they've never had money before. Like, you know, cause I, I don't know of anybody and I'm sure it has happened, but I don't know of anybody specifically who went into the NFL and was already a millionaire. Right. So like, right. Anybody who's not already a millionaire and you go into the NFL and now you're making like millions, millions of dollars, it's like you need somebody to be helping you to make some good decisions because it's so easy to be like, well, fuck it. I'm going to buy everything, you know, and Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go out and party all the time. I'm going to do whatever I want. And, you know, like all this stuff. It's just it's not the same career field or whatever, but MC Hammer. Exactly. And and there's there's plenty of players who have gone bankrupt. I think I could be wrong, so whatever. But I think Vince Young, who used to be on the Titans, I think he's one of them where his like mm-hmm. there's so many stories of like these quote financial advisors fucking over NFL players, mm-hmm. you know, and all this stuff. And it's like they make all this money and then they're dead broke. Mm-hmm. For and for a lot of reasons, either they've squandered it or somebody that they trusted squandered it because they don't know what to really look for. I mean, there's just so many things that like Lou Pearlman did that, you know, like so Mm -hmm. many people take advantage of people who like, okay, they get you to trust them with their money. And if you don't know what to look for, and these are kids, of course, they don't know what to look for in a financial advisor. Well, and Aaron Hernandez has really no family, like no, no parental figure except for his cousin yeah which isn't i would say doesn't count yeah as a parental figure she just so he's kind of he wants yeah he's floating around by himself yeah so exactly yeah, absolutely in september of 07 there was a shooting in a traffic light after the victims left a nightclub earlier at the club the victims had exchanged words with hernandez and a witness who saw the shooting picked hernandez out of a lineup as the trigger man <laughs> i mean also he's is he not a celebrity by then it didn't seem like, I mean, when we talked about, because I don't know if, did you watch the ID murder mystery? Yes. Okay. They talked to two men that were witnesses and the SUV, it's a Toyota 4Runner, I think. That's what they were in. They drove up, parked next to them at a red light. They look over at them and they were like, did you know the people in the car? And he was like, no. So, I mean, and not that, like, somebody could be the most talented football 
player in the world and the most well-known, and I wouldn't know who he was, but right. maybe it's one of those things, but I don't know. I did yeah. notice because there was footage, security footage, whenever they walked in, everybody else had to pay a cover and they just ushered Aaron Hernandez in, so... Right. I mean, yeah, because even in college football, like they're celebrities in that area, you know, in their area. I mean, Mm -hmm. probably all over in the division or conference or whatever they're in. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Conference. SEC. The Southeastern (laughs) Conference. This is not. You are. I know. I'm trying to like put context clues together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But like I remember we were at a baby shower once and um, my friend was talking about the SEC and her husband's cousin was there and he's gay. And he's like, what does SEC stand for? And she was like, oh, it's a Southeastern conference. And he was like, what do they talk about at this conference? And we were just like, it's so cute. It's like on Friends. They're like, we should play football. Oh, yeah. Oh, but shoot, I work Monday nights. Yeah. <laughs> it's the National Football Monday League. Night. Yeah. They play <laughs> exactly. Sundays and Monday nights. Damn, I work Mondays. <laughs> okay, so. The witness who saw the shooting, he, you know, picks out Hernandez. Police go to Coach Meyer and ask to speak with Hernandez and two teammates immediately. It took four hours and lots of prodding from detectives to get the coaches to bring the players to the police station at all. The players had already spoken, though, to the team's lawyer, and Hernandez invoked his right to counsel and refused to talk to police. When police would come into the room to speak with him, they found him head down on the table, just sleeping. This kid could not be bothered bothered. by fucking anything. (laughs) I would be shitting my pants in a corner, rocking back and forth. Like, oh my God, I'm in a police station. I'm in trouble. Like, yeah, I feel like the level of unbothered that I want to be not for this type of situation, but just in daily life is somewhere between Aaron Hernandez and maybe Jody Arias when she's being questioned because Mm. I just want to have no cares given about lots of things. I just want to be like, it'll work out. It'll be fine. I'm just gonna take a quick nap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm actually really tired right now. Might do some yoga in the corner. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, or Shayna Huber starts singing. Yeah, right. This is videotaped, so this really could be my big break. <laughs> you never know. I mean, you don't know because a lot of people watch true crime documentaries, and if the right person hears that audition tape, <laughs> aka interrogation. You know what? And you think that that's something that's incredibly silly, but that one guy that was in jail for a very violent crime and got a modeling deal because of his mugshot. So here we are. His eyes were mesmerizing. They really were. I mean, I've never seen eyes like that. But still. I know, but still, exactly. Stop doing that to us. Okay. So he can't be bothered. They end up not filing any charges. And after the trial of Odin Lloyd's death in 2013, Massachusetts police contacted Florida authorities to see if they wanted to look at Hernandez again for the 2007 shooting, but they concluded that he was not the trigger man. So the witness who originally identified him said he looked similar to him. He saw them have an exchange at the nightclub, so he just assumed Hernandez was the shooter. How is that the same as seeing Hernandez pull the trigger? I don't know. That's something that we have dealt with a lot, though. It's like you you get enough clues and then your mind fills in the blanks and then you just say exactly confirmation bias you've already seen this person probably you know on tv in articles whatever if you follow that kind of stuff yeah so then yeah you see somebody who looks similar to him that's the face your brain fills in yeah it's the whole thing after his junior year coach meyer told hernandez that he should leave the school and enter the upcoming nfl draft because he wouldn't be welcomed back to the school Hernandez did just that and was drafted in the fourth round out of seven 
of the 2010 NFL Draft by the New England Patriots. I am no football expert, but fourth round with the Pats, thats I think that's pretty fucking incredible. Well, and for him to be 12 years old at the time, like, God, he was so young. I know, exactly. And if he hadn't been such a fucking fool off the football field, they probably would have drafted him in an earlier round. Like, he would have gone in an earlier round. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he could not get his anger under control. New England was probably the single worst place he could have gone, though, as far as teams go. So in Florida, he's far away. Nope. I'm sorry. Nope. In Florida, he was far from a saint. He had several run-ins with the coaches and, you know, they were threatening to kick him off the team and stuff like that. But back north or back up north, he's back with the people he was hanging out with before college. And these are the people he's engaging in criminal behavior with. Mm -hmm. So it was suggested, you know, for his, like, it was supposed to be a really good thing for him to go to Florida after high school. To, like, clean up his act. Yeah, and honestly, the way that he acted in Florida is 100,000 times cleaned up from what he was doing up here. So it's like, because he, you know, he didn't have the same friend group. Now, I'm sure he's going to find a similar kind of friend group wherever he goes, but... Well, if you are not done with that behavior, you're going to find a crowd to participate in that behavior with. Exactly, yeah. And so he, he did do some stuff... You know, obviously he did get into some trouble, but it's believed that he got into less trouble in Florida than he ever would have if he'd gone to like UConn and all of his, you know, Mm -hmm. childhood friends who he had grown up with and engaged in criminal activity had been with him. The Southies. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Whatever that means. Yeah, I don't know. Townies. Toonies. Toonies. Damn. No, but I think. Okay. Is it both? I think it's both. On the field, Hernandez shined. He was thought of as one of the best tight ends in the league. He wore number 85 until a veteran player who usually wore that number joined the team. So Hernandez told him he would sell him the number for $75,000 and the player countered with 50,000. Hernandez accepted. I need to get in the number buying game. Uh, You can sell a number for 50K? Come on. Hey guys, I have the number three available right here. It's available (laughs) for the right price. Right. If you want the number three, you're going to have to fucking pay for it. Right. $75,000 doll hairs. I know. But this is a common practice in the NFL. I mean, you know, obviously the jersey, the jersey thing. Yeah. Whatever. Hmm. Sometimes instead of taking the money, though, the player's selling the number. will just ask the other player to donate to a charity. I love that. That's fine. Which is cool. Yeah. But that's not what Aaron Hernandez did. Some people will do that. Aaron Hernandez did not, though. Mm-hmm. Just to put it in perspective, he used the money for something else. He gave the money to a cousin's husband who then used it to purchase a wholesale amount of marijuana. And when it came time to pay back the debt, he paid 120000 back, making $70,000 in profit. Wow. I mean, so what you really want to do is you want to get into as much illegal activity as possible and then make that person pay you a lot of interest. And really, that's a smarter way to go, don't you think? What other? What are you going to give it to a charity? Right, exactly. Are going to help people with this? Like, get Gross. out of here. I know. Fuck that. In 2012, Hernandez earned a new contract and signed a five-year, $39.5 million deal. The contract included a signing bonus of $12.5 million. I should have been an NFL football player. I know. Well, 
it's too late now. I mean, I tried coaching you when you were younger and you are not coachable. That's for damn sure. <laughs> no. no, definitely not. I was not fast. I was not strong. I was not. Mm-hmm. Can't catch a ball to save your life. No. I was That's like me, Devin Sawa. Or no, no, not that. Not Devin Sawa. The other little kid on Little Giants. The Snot Bubble Boy? No, 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 no. The oh. one, he was really fast, but he could only catch toilet oh, yeah, paper yeah, rolls. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Bless him. I can't even catch toilet paper rolls. Like, what if they hit me in the face? Oh, true. Yeah. But hang on. Aaron did this time donate some. So he's, all right, 39.5 plus 12.5 is, I don't know what, 41? Carry the one, 42. No, 51, isn't it? Oh my God, it is. It's 51. 52, 50, whatever. I don't know. It's It's, a hell of a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money. He did donate some of that to charity. He donated $50,000. Now, I'm not sure He made more than that on the number. Yeah. Or he made that at least, but. Well, he made more than that on his weed deal. He did, didn't he? Mm -hmm. I'm not here to say how much someone should or shouldn't donate to charity, but it's kind of laughable when you've got $11 million Mm -hmm. and then you're like, here's a 20. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hey, don't spend it all in one place. Right. Yeah. He missed several games in the 2012 season due to injury. On January 20th, 2013, the Patriots played the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC championship game. And this would be Hernandez's last appearance in the NFL. It's like that meme where it's like one day you just signed out of AOL Instant Messenger and you never signed back in again, but you like didn't know it was going to happen then. Oh, Mm why? Torella? I'm sorry, but like, that's what this is. He didn't know. One day he stopped playing and he never knew it. I know. What a sad day for him. So let's talk about more legal troubles. At some point during his NFL career, Odin met Hernandez and the two grew close. They would hang out in the basement at Aaron's mansion, watching movies, playing video games, and smoking weed. In 2011, however, Hernandez was renting a townhouse in Plainville. One night, he and a high school friend were at a club. Hernandez had too much to drink and let the friend drive him home. The friend had also had too much to drink, though. He was weaving in and out (laughs) of traffic. That was like almost a responsible situation. Yeah. So close. <laughs> yeah. You picked the wrong person. It's like, la, 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 la. I'm too drunk to drive home. Okay. So I'm going to make the responsible decision and let you drive me. And you then the friend is like, so drunk though. I totally got it. I'm just yeah. going to pick up Santa Claus on the way there. But is this your car? Or is this your car? Right. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> He's so rich. Fucking hire a driver. Yeah, that's true. I mean, come on. True, true, true. So he was weaving in and out of traffic, going around 120 miles an hour in a 55 zone. When they were pulled over by a Massachusetts state trooper, he recognized Hernandez in the passenger seat and didn't make an arrest. Perfect. Love it. Great. Later that night, the police were called to the townhouse he rented because of a fight in the front yard. And again, upon recognizing Hernandez, they let him go inside. Two times in one night. Again, if Hernandez remembered this because of how drunk he was, I don't know. What does that tell him? I'm above the law. Yeah, exactly. I will never get in trouble mm-hmm. for any of this kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. In 2012, there was a double homicide in Boston near the Cure Lounge. Daniel Jorge Correa de Abro and Safiro, oh Jesus, Tiexira Furtado. Because I'm Ellie. Yes, I'm going to go with that. We apologize. We have not watched nearly enough Dora the Explorer. No, and I... I really don't mean it to be dis... No, I mean... No. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, no. Really just don't know how to... Yeah, Yeah. don't know how to pronounce that. 
were both gunned down as shots were fired into their vehicle. Witnesses claimed that they say Hernandez's silver SUV pulled up to or pulled up next to the victims and someone yelled racial slurs at them. Then five shots rang out from the SUV. When looking over the security footage from the club, police immediately recognized Hernandez, but thought that it was just a coincidence <laughs> that he was there. Hey, but okay, we've almost picked him up 11 billion times already, but couldn't be him. No, 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 no. He just happens to be there. That's like in the Martha Moxley case when they were like, well, a stranger must have come into our very affluent neighborhood because rich white people would not kill each other. No, nice white kids. Exactly. Like, what the fuck, guys? Come on. I know. January 2013, Hernandez was with his assistant, Alexander Bradley. Bradley was actually his drug dealer and his yes man. Mm-hmm. whatever Aaron wanted, Bradley got it for him. Whether it was guns, drugs, whatever. So after leaving the club, the same club from the double homicide, Bradley was driving 105 when he was pulled over. Perfect. Hernandez tried to play the don't you know who I am card, but the troopers actually arrested Bradley for drunk driving. In what world? Why would they do that to someone like that? <sighs> yeah, they should be fired. I know. I mean, it's just rude. Hernandez reportedly told the trooper, I'm Aaron Hernandez. It's okay. Mm -hmm. In February 2013, Hernandez, Bradley, and several friends were down in Florida. They went out one night and visited a strip club. While there, Hernandez began to worry about two men sitting across from them and told Bradley he thought they were plainclothes officers from Boston watching them. (laughs) So he's getting incredibly paranoid. Yes. Bradley said that they were probably following them because of the double homicide. On February 13th, Bradley claimed that during the trip, he was asleep in the car and was awoken or was woken up by Hernandez pointing a gun in his face. The next day, the police found Bradley laying in a parking lot and bleeding. There was a bullet hole between his eyes. He survived, but lost his right eye. What is really, 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 really fucked up about this is he's still out of jail and can kill Odin Lloyd after this. Mm-hmm. Like all of it. There's again, just like Odin Lloyd's path and meeting Aaron Hernandez, like all these dominoes had to fall into place. All these things had to fall into place. But the, so that Aaron Hernandez stays out of jail. Right. But the thing is, Bradley did not report it. They, I mean, he, he went to the hospital. They knew that he had been attacked, but he didn't give Aaron Hernandez away at all. It's really interesting. It's like he shot you in the fucking face, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't want to... Nope. I mean, it's like street loyalty is insane. Yeah. So also in 2013, Hernandez was... or He traveled to California with his fiance and their daughter for a surgery. While there, the police were called twice by Shayana Jenkins, his fiance. She told them each time that Hernandez was drunk and violent. The police determined that Jenkins and her child weren't in danger and never searched the house. There were drugs and guns all over the house. One night, DJ claimed he found Aaron on the roof, distraught, rubbing his temple with the barrel of a pistol. But nobody's in danger. Why? How did the police even determine that? They just listened to her and they were like, I mean, she's not crying as much now, so she's probably fine. Or I don't see anything like as I peek in through the crack of this door. Right. Looks fine to me. Yeah. It's It's Aaron Hernandez. I feel like the police in that moment were doing that thing. We're like, but did you die though? Yeah, exactly. Well, he is just like Teflon, man. Or was. 
at that time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And we know that Teflon is incredibly dangerous, but okay. Well, so that exactly makes him like Teflon. All right. So let's get to investigations, trials, all the things. June 14th, 2013, Odin, Lloyd, and Aaron are out at Rumor Nightclub in Boston. No one knows exactly what happened between the two of them at the club, but a witness reported that Aaron seemed to be upset at Odin and storms out of the club. During the trial later, the prosecution would suggest that he was upset because Odin was talking to friends of the victims of the 2012 double homicide. And again, Aaron has been becoming more and more and more paranoid as the years, days, months, whatever goes on, you know? And I think that the reasons behind that or for that is because of extensive, ridiculous drug use, right? I mean, I don't think that weed is the only drug that he's been using. But I also think it's because when you do shit that is illegal and you don't get caught for it, I'm sure you go one of two ways. You're either like, oh, they're never going to catch me. Or you're always looking over your shoulder to make sure that no Uh one's following you. Yeah. And now, I mean, because the thing about Aaron Hernandez and his crimes, he didn't necessarily try to cover it up. I mean, it was, he was always with people. There were always people that knew about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in Odin Lloyd's death, there's so many things that led right the fuck back to him. Like, did you even try? It it just doesn't make any sense. So it's like, now he's got all these people that know things, you know, and he's paranoid about them too. Are they going to talk to somebody? Are they going to say something? Are they going to, you know, everything that he sees, he sees this intention behind it. Well, yeah, but he's doing it to himself. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Another theory was that Odin Lloyd had learned that Hernandez was bisexual and Hernandez decided to kill him before he could tell anyone. I mean, I don't know. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of theories that float around, but this is a theory that became pretty prominent in the media. Unfortunately, the only two people who actually know what happened between them that night are deceased. Two days later, on the 16th, around 9.30 p.m., Aaron reached out to some friends from back home in Attleboro and asked them to make the drive to Bristol, Connecticut. Ernest Wallace and Carlos Ortiz were old friends of Hernandez who made the trip together. Hours later, at 2.33 a.m. on June 17th, surveillance footage showed Odin Lloyd leave his home, get into a silver Nissan Altima with Hernandez, Wallace, and Ortiz. From 3.07 a.m. to 3.23 a.m., Odin sent text messages to his sister. From the messages, it's clear that Odin wanted to make sure that someone knew who he was with at the time. He says, you saw who I'm with? Hello? And then NFL, indicating that he was with NFL player Aaron Hernandez. And then he says, just so you know. That's chilling. It is. You know, when you know what happens. At 3.25 a.m., surveillance footage shows the vehicle driving to a secluded gravel pit in an industrial area. Four minutes later, the car is seen driving away. Police said that Odin Lloyd was shot and left in that four-minute gap. And then around 5.30 the jogger finds Odin's body, calls the authorities. So, you know, now we're kind of coming back around to when he's been discovered. Odin had been shot several times in the back and chest. Wow, that's not cowardly at all, but okay. Mm-mm. It didn't take long for police to identify Odin and link him to Hernandez. The vehicle they were in that night was a rental car, and he, it was rented in Aaron Hernandez's full fucking name. Like, what are you doing? When he went to return the car, there were empty shell casings in it. 
again, it's like he didn't even try. No. And the thing is, though, you know, the shell casing is found in the car, right? And it's in some blue bubble gum, which in one of the things they kept showing the bubble gum with the shell casing in it. And I wanted to barf. It's just disgusting. I do not want to see his chewed up fucking gum. (laughs) But the person who cleaned the car out was like, you know, later after they see that Aaron Hernandez is tied to this murder and the rental car is involved and all this stuff, they call the police and they're like, oh, you know what? When I cleaned that car out, there were shell casings in it. They're like, what did you do with them? Well, I threw them in the garbage. What were they wrapped in, Tori? Oh. <laughs> so the shell casings were in a piece of bubblicious bubblegum, cotton candy flavor, if you need to know. Mm-hmm. And they were inside of a drawing. Yeah, in the area. Drawing in the area. Yes. Yeah, when they when they said it was in the drawing, I was like, oh my God, I had to text Tori immediately. I'm just like... <laughs> This is just, I mean, and now we're Southern. So I know we say a bunch of stuff that people are like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> fixing to is a big one. I'm fixing to do this or fixing to do that. And sure. they're like, what do you mean you're fixing to? I'm like, well, well, I'm about to do it. The other day, Miss KB said he saw somebody who lives down a piece, <laughs> down the road a piece. So, yeah, exactly. But it's just like, whew. all right, drawing, got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> in the area. But yeah, she calls later and is like, Oh, I found that. They're like, well, where'd you put it? She's like, well, in the dumpster, of course. Why? Is that proper protocol for when you're cleaning out of a car and you see bullet casings? I know. Like, like, how often are we finding shell casings in cars that are returned? Yeah. Like, well. Seems like you might want to notify the authorities of that one. Right. I don't know. I mean, maybe though it's in the Enterprise Rent-A-Car book that says when you find bullet holes or shell casings, throw them away. Mm -hmm. They're of no importance and move on about (laughs) your day. Yeah, it's more of a hassle than anything. Just get rid of them. Yeah, none of our business. Once the police identified the car as a rental and saw that it was rented by Hernandez, they didn't waste any time. On June 18th, they served him with a search warrant and searched his house for anything to tie him to the murder of Odin Lloyd. They took footage from his surveillance cameras and requested his cell phone. They were given the phone broken into several pieces. Also, Aaron Hernandez has so many surveillance cameras at his house. Mm -hmm. Not only does he have them outside, he has them in the entire inside of his house, which I don't understand what you would, isn't that just, wouldn't that just be weird? Yeah, I do. I don't know. Like, what if you want to like bang on the couch? It's weird. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's why he has it. So he can like, ew. Maybe, I'm maybe. sorry, but I mean, some people do. Maybe. Okay. They like to film themselves. I don't know. It just, it's like, I don't know. It's just weird. Mm Mm-hmm. Aaron had also destroyed footage from the surveillance system and hired a team of cleaners to come clean his home the day Odin was killed. Suspicious much? I know. On June 26th, they arrested Hernandez. They charged him with first-degree murder, carrying a firearm without a license, two counts of possessing a large-capacity firearm, and two counts of possessing a firearm without a firearm identification card. On June 27th and 28th, Carlos Ortiz and Ernest Wallace were arrested. They're each charged with accessory to murder. And during his interrogation, Carlos Ortiz told the authorities about a secret apartment that Hernandez had a few towns over. And they called it like his bachelor pad, Mm. which grosses me out. I hate that. (laughs) Just like, fuck off. Like, it's not the 50s and you don't like have your apartment in the city while your wife is doing all your shit in the, like. Right. I do feel, I mean, Shanna Jenkins doesn't look good in court. Not at all. I do feel bad for her, though. 
I do too, because it makes me feel bad in any way when there's a power imbalance, first of all. And second, I mean, power imbalance that goes along with the like financial imbalance, but she knew what she was getting herself into after they had an indiscretion, I guess, you know, she caught mm-hmm. Aaron cheating and then she decided to get back together with him under the understanding that she just had to look the other way. Exactly. So it's just like, if you want to be with me, that's you have to deal it. with and this. Like, yeah. Yeah. And everybody that like knew her, even like reporters and stuff, they were like, when she talked about him, like you knew that th- she viewed him as the love of her life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, it is sad. I mean, she made some bad decisions because of that, I think. And she's taken a lot of it. She's holding a lot of secrets still, I'm sure. And I wish she would make some better decisions. But at the same time, I think that she was, you know, kind of beaten down a little bit emotionally. Because when when you're in a relationship and somebody is so disrespectful as to carry on relationships with other people, get an apartment away from your house so that they can do the things that they want to do, and you have to just be like, okay, do whatever you want. I mean, you're emotionally beaten down to accept that, you know? Right, right. And it is sad. Anyway, so he has a secret apartment. We got a little off track there because of he's the worst. Police got the address and executed a search warrant. And when they were there, they found ammunition and clothing that the police believed could be evidence in the murder case against him. Hernandez's fiance, Shiana Jenkins, and his cousin, Tanya Cummings, were both charged as accessories when police suspected that they helped Hernandez, Ortiz, and Wallace after the murder took place. These charges would eventually be dropped during the trial. Tanya refused to testify against Hernandez during the trial, and she was sentenced to two years of probation, including one year of home confinement with an ankle bracelet for criminal contempt of court. Wow. Yeah, and during this time, she has breast cancer. It's very sad to see. 90 minutes after his arrest, before charges were filed, the New England Patriots released Hernandez and nullified his contract for, quote, conduct detrimental to the team or organization. That meant that none of the money from his contract would be paid out. The Patriots would seek to reclaim a portion of the $12.5 million signing bonus that they'd already paid to him. The Patriots offered any fan who owned a Hernandez jersey the opportunity to come to the stadium and swap their jersey with a new one for a different player. They were, and I was just thinking like, again, I don't know a shit ton about football, but what I do know is you don't want to fucking piss Bill Belichick off. Like he is the head coach of the Patriots. He's not going to fuck around with that shit. He's not going to have that like, well, let's see what, uh -uh." if there's something in the media, he's like, well, fuck you. I'm done with you. Like, (laughs) I don't know you. I wouldn't want to piss him off. And again, I don't know him, but at all, but yeah. And it's like, man, if, if anybody was going to be able to whip him into shape, it would have been Bill Belichick. Hmm. He was just not able to be whipped into shape, I guess. Right. Or Nick Saban, but he didn't have a chance. During the trial, security footage was shown from inside the Hernandez home. It was terrible quality and pretty much everything we hate about security footage. But in the footage, you can see the three men come into the foyer and go down to the basement. In Hernandez's left hand, there is what appears to be a handgun. The prosecution also provided Hernandez's DNA, which was found at the crime scene. The thing is, though, with the handgun specifically, this is the kind of shit that I can't stand. It probably was a handgun. It kind of looks like a handgun. And then the prosecution brought in a 
expert witness who works for Glock and they think they know that Odin Lloyd was killed with the Glock something. I don't know all the calibers and shit like that. But you cannot look at that footage and fucking tell what actually is in his hand. There's no proof. So from an Aaron Hernandez standpoint, it probably is. Mm-hmm. But from an everybody else standpoint and wrongful conviction standpoint, you cannot bring an expert witness on the stand and be like, well, I think that's probably a Glock. Right. Maybe, maybe it's not. And the jury hears that the expert witness who works for Glock says it looks like a Glock to me. And then the defense comes on and says, but you can't really tell, can you? And have you ever heard of confirmation bias? Like your brain wants to fill that in. But the jury's already heard it looks like a Glock. And the guy who works at Glock says it's a Glock. Mm-hmm. So this is the gun. And people have been put away for the rest of their lives for expert testimony like that. It just drives me crazy. Because <laughs> it's, it's a blurry blob. That's all it is. Well, yeah. And even though it looks like an outlet, like to me, I looked at it and was like, looks like a gun to me. Mm-hmm. But again, but I what, also am looking for a gun. Well, yeah. And the defense also was like, if it was a gun, let's say, I don't think he said it this way, of course, but he was like, you know, can you tell that it's a, it's a working gun? Could you tell right. that it's a, not a toy gun? Like, uh huh. Yeah. And he's like, well, I, no, I couldn't tell you if it's a functioning gun or not. And again, it's like, you know, What's the likelihood, okay? What's the likelihood that he's going to walk in that night after Odin Lloyd has been shot and killed and he's going to be holding something that looks like a gun and Odin Lloyd is killed with a gun and this happened just, you know, mere moments earlier, essentially. Mm -hmm. The likelihood is that he is carrying that gun. However, what if, you know, one of these other million bajillion situations had occurred you know, for people who are like, well, but he didn't do it, but it kind of seemed like he did it, but he went to jail for 40 years all over it, but he actually didn't do it. Like there are those like, what are the odds kind of situations? So you mm-hmm. can't just be like, probably. Yeah. <laughs> right. And they have enough evidence. You don't need this. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need that. But anyway. So when it came time for closing statements, the defense knew they were facing an uphill battle. They admitted that Hernandez was at the crime scene. They said, quote, he was a 23-year-old kid who witnessed something, a shocking killing committed by someone he knew. He really didn't know what to do, so he just put one foot in front of the other. I mean, he's he's just like you and me. He puts his pants on one leg at a time. Right, exactly. And we can't expect too much of him because what was he supposed to do? I know. Just the only difference is when he puts his pants on, he makes cold records. Well, that's incredibly true. He also, I feel bad for him because while he was at the crime scene, he couldn't even finish his blunt. No, he couldn't. And that that's the real tragedy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He had to throw it out. He had to throw it out. That is sad. Yeah. Th- I don't know. There's so many things with that statement. First of all, call the police if you witness something. Mm-hmm. And I do understand that there are some people who don't for whatever reason, but call the police. He's 23, 23 years old, and he's thrown his whole life away. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like, if you look at somebody who's 23 and kills somebody out of, you know, rage or anger or whatever it is, and, you know, they've got a good job and they've got a kid at home and they own, you know, a $150,000 house, whatever it is, that's a great life. This person had the world on a platter. Mm -hmm. he's an NFL star like 
like Tori said before we started recording, it's like he had all of this. He was in the NFL and literally the only thing he had to do was not kill people and he couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, listen, kid, just just please don't kill anybody. Yes, okay? I was watching it yesterday and I was like, all he had to do. <laughs> I know. Was like, just like, hey, Aaron, please don't murder anyone. Mm-mm. Do you think you can handle that? Just no, just don't kill anybody, okay? And he's like, well, I can't promise anything. Ha <laughs> ha Yeah, exactly. Like, Come on, man. It's just, it's awful. On April 15th, 2015, Hernandez was convicted of first-degree murder and all the weapons charges. Massachusetts doesn't have the death penalty, so he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Immediately after the sentencing, Hernandez was transferred to Massachusetts Correctional Institution, Cedar Junction, which is a maximum security facility to begin serving his sentence. The prison was about a mile away from Gillette Stadium where he played for the Patriots. Wallace and Ortiz were both convicted of being an accessory after the fact and were sentenced to four and a half to seven years each. That doesn't seem like enough for, I don't know that being they were accessories just, to, yeah, I don't know that they were just accessories after the fact, but yeah, that's all they could prove and you know, whatever. Well, and I know every, we know if you've watched uh, anything on it or, you know, that Wallace and Ortiz were kind of career criminals. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure this wasn't the only sentence that they were going to, you know, like. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. So after he's convicted of the murder of Odin Lloyd, he ends up going on trial for the 2012 double murder in Boston. I, this, I get your window. Yes. Please open your window. If you're driving, Mm -hmm. pull over. You can roll your window down and throw everything out. Yes. You have to throw everything out. I think. If you're as mad as I was watching this, you might throw yourself out. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to jump. Exactly. There's no, like, no judgment here. Throw out whatever you've got to throw out. Who did he hire for this <laughs> trial? Fucking Jose Baez. I mean, that piece of shit. If you're not familiar with him, who is Jose Baez? Jose Baez was the defense lawyer in the Casey fucking Anthony trial. Mm who also may or may not have been Casey Anthony's boy toy at some point during everything. Yeah, well, when you don't have money, what are you going to do? This trial resulted in a not guilty verdict. Baez, oh my God. I was just, it, it kind of reminds me in a not funny way of, uh, it's always sunny, the dentist system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they're asking Dennis to help, you know, like, what do, what do I do in this situation? And he's like, hang on a second. And then the classical music comes in and he's like doing his, doing his thing. And it's like, watch, watch the master work. Yeah. That's exactly what Baez does. It's so heartbreaking for the victims and their families. Mm-hmm. You know, because we know, I don't know all of the evidence in that case, but from what I read and heard, I do think there was enough to convict him of that. Mm-hmm. And it's just heartbreaking for their family. Now, he was already serving a life sentence for the murder of Odin Lloyd, but but it's not so much about him getting more jail time. It's the closure. Exactly. It's saying, I see you know, what he did. And yes, yeah, that he is responsible for the death of my loved one. Absolutely. And the way that Jose Baez, it's effective, obviously, right? I mean, he right. make, he gets the W's, but, oh my God, sports hey, reference. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, his tactic for every case that he is, uh, whatever, representing or, you know, for the trial, 
he attacks and defames people. That's what he does. He makes them look like shit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's the victim. It doesn't matter if it's the family. It doesn't matter if it's the whoever. And I would never, ever, ever hope to God that I, like, you know, these, my words to Jesus's ears here, I would never want to be cross-examined or interviewed or anything by Jose Baez. Mm -mm. Yeah, I mean, he's, He's good at what he does if you're talking about, yeah, just winning. Well, yeah. I mean, God, you can say, you can spin that to anybody, right? Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer, he was good at what he did. Mm-hmm. What he did was absolutely horrific. Exactly. But he was yeah. good at it. Yeah. There's nothing ethical about what Jose Baez does in no. the room. That's awful. But after that, you know, after he gets him off on this double murder— Hernandez hires him to file an appeal in the Odin Lloyd case. And Baez was like, I'll get him out. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he could have. I don't know. I know. Well, I mean, look what he did with Casey Anthony. Exactly. But while he was in prison, many people said that he seemed, quote, strangely content. He adapted to his new home very quickly and thrived in the structure that prison provided. Don't you think that he kind of reminds you of just this, like, lost child that just needs structure? Yeah. Had he had, well, he had a lot of structure, I guess, with his dad in some ways. But the wrong kind of structure. The wrong kind of structure, yeah. And I'm not saying that prison is a loving environment by any means. But if you listen to some of his calls with his mom during this time, he he even said in one call, you know what? I just, like, I, I you know, come down the hall, I look at my cell, and I just think, like, how perfect it looks. Like, how perfect it is. He... It's like he needed to get away from everything else mm-hmm. so that he could just be who he was and not have all these other things and this lack of structure and this all this abundance of money and drugs and whatever. Well, and pressure, I'm sure, yeah. And pressure and everybody just giving him everything that he wants. He doesn't have anybody to tell him no. It's like he he really enjoyed being in prison. And I think that says a lot about the life that he was living outside of prison, mm-hmm. that that was a prison to him in some way. Yeah. And again, not condoning or anything that he's done. It's just, you can see why the things that happened, happened. And I mean, kids need structure, man. They just do. Yeah. And they need a loving environment, which is sad that so many kids don't have that. He reconciled with his mother after years of estrangement and told her, quote, I've been the most relaxed and less stressed in jail than I have out of jail. Hernandez was disciplined dozens of times in prison, and his lawyers would claim that he was relentlessly taunted by the guards and inmates alike. He continued to work out, though, and anticipated a comeback in the NFL when he was released. (laughs) I also think there's mental health, undiagnosed mental health issues here. I agree. But at the same time, when you have Jose Baez as your defense attorney and you look at what he was able to do with Casey Anthony, Mm -hmm. crazier things have happened. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, he also, he got him a not guilty verdict in a murder trial. He was acquitted in a double murder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. On April 17th, 2017, though, reporter Michelle McPhee appeared on a local sports talk show in Boston. And while on the show, she and the host used heavy innuendo and implied that Hernandez was actually gay. Two days later, he was dead. And some theorized that he died by suicide because of the claims that were made publicly by McPhee on the show. This pissed me off to no end. Now, I don't think 
I'm not going to excuse any of Hernandez's behavior, obviously. And that this is not me like coming to his or like, you know, taking his side or anything like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but this is cruel. And why does it matter? It doesn't matter. Exactly. Why does it matter? I could understand if it had something to do with if his crime, if any crime that he committed was sexual in nature against men or something like that, possibly. But to have made jokes like they made where they were saying things about, oh, he's a tight end. And um, I don't, I can't remember anything else that he said, but something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What is that doing? That's just, it's cruel and it's unnecessary and it's inappropriate. And also this is 2017, not that long ago. When are we going to get the clue that gay jokes are not funny anymore? I know. Yeah. And they were never funny. Like, well, I, yeah. Okay. Thank you for correcting me. I didn't mean anymore, but they're not okay. No. Yeah. They're not acceptable. They used to be, people thought that they were funny and people could say it. Look at, you know, any sitcom from the nineties, but. Right. It's not okay. (laughs) No. And, and yeah, it does not matter. None of that matters. And what doing that does says, like what it says to me is, I need to make this case, the murders of at least three people more salacious than they are to get more interest than they have. I've got to have another layer to keep the relevance going of what I'm reporting on. You know, well, it's all about the ratings. Absolutely. And all it's doing is making a mockery of everything. Yes. There is no reason for any of that. Yeah. And everybody that participated in it should be ashamed of themselves. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's just absolutely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. On April 19th at 3.05 a.m., correction officers found Hernandez hanging with the bedsheets from the window of his cell. He was taken to a local hospital and pronounced dead at 4.07 a.m. Upon an initial inspection of the cell, there were no suicide notes found. But later, three sealed letters were found by a Bible that was open to John 3.16. John 3.16 was also written across his forehead in red ink. The letters were addressed to his lawyer, one to his daughter, and one to his fiance. The letter to his lawyer thanked him for all his help and asked him to pass along thanks to musicians that had helped him mentally along the way. The other two letters have been described as disjointed and having an ominous tone. With his death, a bizarre law on the books kicked in. Abatement ab initio? I'm not sure if I'm saying that, was a common law doctrine that stated that if any defendant died while their conviction was being appealed, the conviction would be vacated. So the guilty verdict was vacated and technically Hernandez is not convicted of murder. This was significant because if he was never technically convicted, then the New England Patriots cannot void his contract and keep the money from his family. I'm getting chills talking Mm -hmm. about this. Because what I feel like happened was, how would he have known about that? Jose Baez. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Don't you think? And it's like Jose Baez telling him like, hey man, I'm not telling you to do this, but if you did this, at least your family would get the money that they're not going to get because you've got a conviction. You know, we're in appeals, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not telling you to do anything, but like, I just, you know. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, I just, and again, I'm not, I don't know how he came to know this information. Well, we don't even know that that's the reason why. 
Right, but it is very coincidental that oh, it yeah. happened during that window of time, right? Because yeah. if they'd gone back to trial and he'd be, been the appeal had been denied, he his conviction would be reinstated. Yeah. Officially. So, I don't know. And Hernandez's fiance Shiana Shayana Jenkins was prepared to go to court to get the money from the Patriots. And if that had happened, the Patriots would have spent millions of dollars in legal fees just to keep it from happening. In March of 2019, however, the state appealed the decision to vacate Hernandez Hernandez's conviction and won. The conviction was back on the record, and the doctrine is no longer used in the state of Massachusetts. Shouldn't have been used ever anyway. I know. It's, yeah, like, when you're, I don't know, I guess well, I have mixed feelings about it because of wrongful, wrongful convictions. Sure, and sure. Yeah, it's just. I'm thinking like specifically in this, in this case, case. Exactly, yeah. yeah. After his death, Hernandez's family gave his brain to Boston University to have it checked for CTE. CTE is essentially brain damage caused by repeated blows to the head. And many football players are diagnosed after their deaths with this condition. After examining his brain, researchers concluded that he suffered from stage three out of four of CTE. Although Hernandez had only had two concussions in his medical file from football, he undoubtedly had many more that went unreported. During one high school game, he was hit so hard on the field that he was knocked unconscious and had to be taken off the field by an ambulance. And they said that this severity of CTE is found a lot of times in people who have decades of, you know, like somebody in their 50s after playing football. Right, exactly. Not 27. Yeah, The researchers said that this level of CTE would result in poor judgment, lack of impulse control, aggression, anger, paranoia, emotional volatility, and rage behaviors. They stated, it's impossible for me to look at the severity of CTE and Mr. Hernandez's brain and not think that they had a profound effect on his behavior. CTE is so common amongst NFL players that some former players have died by suicide and leave their brains to organizations to be studied. Junior Seau, a Hall of Fame linebacker, shot himself in the chest with a shotgun to preserve his brain to be studied. Wow. That's so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. We may never know the real reason that Aaron Hernandez decided to violently end the life of Odin Lloyd. Was it retaliation for a perceived slight or a preemptive action to stop Odin from revealing a personal secret? The only two people who know what happened that night, Wallace and Ortiz, haven't spoken about it. And it doesn't seem like they're going to say anything anytime soon. Hmm. And that's what we know. Hmm. Hmm. It's a lot, you know? Yeah, it is a lot. And it's all very sad. Mm-hmm. Like, it just is. I think that, you know, we can look at, we can look at people who kill and, you know, just write it off to, well, they're evil, they're garbage, they're whatever. But I think it's, I think it's irresponsible to do that. You have to look at- It's incredibly irresponsible. Yeah, you have to look at all the situations that cause these things. Well, and I think that the goal for looking at all of these things is to hopefully eradicate them in the future. Exactly. Let's make a better world for kids to grow up in so they aren't subjected to Mm -hmm. possibly staring down the barrel of something like this. Right, yeah. On either end, you know? Right. Yeah. It's just, it is really sad. Mm-hmm. We um, we are doing more polls on our social media now. So if you're not following us on Instagram, definitely do that. Um, we do a live uh, Instagram live in there every week. 
but we're also doing polls and we'd love to see like what you guys think. If you think that his actions were affected by the brain damage he sustained through his football career, do you think that had anything to do with it? Do you think it didn't have anything to do with it? I mean, I have to brag on our listeners. Like we have covered some controversial cases, said that wrong, controversial cases. (laughs) And I just feel like we, like everybody is just having like really, really grown up respectful conversations with each other on social. And I just have to like applaud our little family. Like, I just feel like it's so awesome. Like, because if you, if you like, you know, commented and were like, what are you thinking? Of course it had nothing to do with it. Like we would be like, okay, thank you for your point of view. Like it's, it's interesting to see other people's point of view. We always learn something from it. So absolutely, you know, as Shakira would say, no fighting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We want everyone to have a safe space to share their opinions. And that means that again, like Shakira says, no fighting. Yeah. I mean, just grown up conversations. I just think it's, I don't know. I was looking at- It makes it more fun. Yeah. I was looking at comments on the Kendrick Johnson case, which, you know, that's got a lot of feelings out there. And rightfully so. It's, it stirs up a lot of feelings. It's a very triggering case for a whole lot of reasons. And I just felt like, you know, even people who had differing opinions on it were just so freaking nice to each other. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you guys are amazing. Like this is how, this is what conversation should be like. So absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at killerqueenspodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. 